Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. My name is Dave Roberts and I am your host. And before we get into the topic of discussion for today, I just want to let everyone know that I am recording our third podcast on Mother's Day, May 14th. So before we begin, I want to wish all the mothers in the world a very blessed, a very happy, and a very peace-filled Mother's Day. And I hope that you get pampered beyond your wildest dreams. I also want to acknowledge those families who've experienced a transition of their mothers and to let you know that you are in my thoughts today. I also want to acknowledge those mothers who have experienced the unthinkable, the transition of their own children, and to let you know that you will be prominently in my thoughts today as well. What I wanted to discuss today was my reflections regarding 20 years of walking the path of a parent who's experienced a transition of a child. And I shared many of these reflections in a recent blog called Red Letter Days, which can be found on the Psychology Professor and Minister.com website. So today's topic is going to be really centered around the whole term of Red Letter Days, what it means and how that, that was the backdrop for the reflections that I'm about to share. Red Letter Days are defined as memorably important or happy occasions. Now, March 1st, 2003 would not qualify as a memorably happy occasion by any stretch of the imagination. At 12.30 in the morning, my 18-year-old daughter, Janine, transitioned into a new existence following a 10-month battle with a velar rhabdomyosarcoma, a rare and incurable connective muscle tissue cancer. She left behind her mother, Sherry, her brothers, Dan and Matt, and a daughter, Brianna. Brianna is a 21-year-old mother to a two-year-old daughter, Tegan Marie, who shares a middle name with her grandmother, Janine. And I also want to take a moment before I proceed to wish my lovely wife, Sherry, a very happy Mother's Day. She has been a mother now for 40 years, which is a milestone in and of itself. And also, I want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to my lovely granddaughter, Brianna, who is the very epitome of her mother in spirit and mannerisms. As I mentioned, March 1st wouldn't qualify as a memorably happy occasion, but it did turn out to be a memorably important occasion, as this marked the beginning of my own transition to a perspective empowering me to continue the relationship with my daughter in the purest of forms. As a result of my commitment, my desire to transform the relationship with Janine, I experienced a renewed desire to re-engage in life and be of service to others experiencing life-altering challenges. This transformation did not occur without 
my own series of challenges, however. And this to me illustrates my belief that grief is very much a circular journey rather than a linear journey. That the raw pain of grief can surface at any time depending on what's going on at that particular moment in our lives. The one specific challenge among many that stood out was that approximately two and a half years into my grief, I grew weary of living in a world without my daughter's physical presence. I desperately wanted God or their representative to come down from the great beyond with Janine, telling me that, hey, we took a review of your life up until this point. We took a review of your your uh, life as a father, you know, your life as a, your work ethic. We took a look at everything. And we decided that because you've lived such a great life up until this point, that we're going we're gonna to give you your daughter back. We're going to give you the life that you once had. And trust me, I made numerous requests to the universe in early grief for the life that I once had with my daughter and with my family. But, you know, the universe met my repeated request with deafening silence. Eventually, it became continually frustrating and emotionally draining to wish for something that I could no longer have. That was beyond my grasp. That was beyond my reach. So prior to the completion of year three of my grief journey, I decided to embrace my identity as a parent who experienced the unthinkable rather than reject it. Now, don't get me wrong. Even though it's still, it's been over 20 years since my daughter transitioned, I still have moments and days when I am transported to the early days of grief where the pain is raw and is suffocating as a suit that's two sizes too small for me. But today, I have learned to sit with whatever emotion makes its presence known because ultimately it will teach me something about myself or minimally reinforce the resilience that I've had to develop in the face of catastrophic and untenable circumstances. Now every angelversary I have experienced usually reveals one revelation about myself or my grief journey that was previously unknown to me. The 20th year of walking the path of a parent who experienced a transition of a child was a little different in that no one profound teaching manifested. So in light of this development, or what some may consider non-development, I decided to take inventory of some of what I've discovered during the past 20 years of my life without Janine. So yes, I decided to again honor my past and look at my past for the teachings that are revealed to me in the present. And this is something I also encourage my students at Utica University and Pratt to do. Um, no matter how young or, or how old they are, 
is to take a look back at the decisions they, they made in their past and ask themselves, did those decisions that they make made, did those paths that they took in the path, did it, was it connected to the decisions that they made now? And was it connected to how they are choosing to create their present reality? Looking at the past is all relative. It's all important. No matter how old you are, no matter what age you are. So, in light of all of that, I decided to take some inventory of what I've discovered during the past 20 years of life without Janine. So here are those, these reflections in no particular order of importance. I hope many of these resonate or minimally give you some food for thought. First, there's a lot to be said for the will to survive in early grief, particularly during the second year, which is more challenging than the first for many of us. I can say from my own experience, the first year was kind of surreal. Uh, I was expecting at some, some point that I would wake up from a real bad nightmare, that my daughter, would Janine, would be standing in the kitchen, the living room, saying, hey, Dad, it was all a dream. I'm back. Let's pick up where we left off. But once I hit 12 months in one day, after her transition, I realized that she would no longer be a part of my, my physical world, and I would have to deal with that. So essentially, the emotional pain and the surrealness that I experienced during the first year became pain and emptiness that I began to experience in the second year without the physical presence of my daughter. Secondly, happiness by itself doesn't add up to fulfillment. Fulfillment for me is being able to authentically express the totality of my emotions at any time. And I discovered the importance of having a support group who embrace wholeness and authenticity and who are not intimidated by my grief or my refusal to be happy all the time. Happiness is something that we all should experience, that we deserve to experience, but happiness is not the only emotion that's going to contribute to wholeness. There may be facets of happiness. I may at some days feel content. I may feel focused. I may feel, you know, moderate amounts of joy. And again, it may not add up to happiness as society perceives it or as many in society perceive it, but for me, it's all good. It allows me to experience the totality of who I am. And because of that, I can embrace other individuals who can experience the totality of their own emotions. And it makes for some very rich discussions. It makes for some very rich relationships. I have yet to find anybody who is truly 24-7 doing fine, doing great all of the time that may be something that they are projecting, but in reality, I ask myself, can anybody truly be that happy all the time? For me, I don't, I don't believe so. 
We can empower ourselves to re-engage in life with purpose and meaning in honor of and with our transition loved ones, or we can choose to withdraw from life, never desiring to move beyond the prison walls created by the enormity and weight of our grief. Catastrophic loss can rob us of much, but it can never take away our free will. It is okay to feel as though you are stumbling through the darkness of grief. Stumbling is movement, which is better than permanently slashing around in the quagmire of grief. Very wise high school teacher that I once had said that if you take two steps forward and one step backwards, you still make progress because you're well, still one step ahead. And I've always encouraged individuals that I companioned or supported during grief to take a look at those, those small steps of, of accomplishment. It doesn't have to be um, progress that's measured in light years. It can be just minimal steps. It may be that you didn't cry for one day or you experienced out of an hour of, of, of where, where you would experience an hour of total sadness you only experience a half hour of sadness. So you measure progress in terms of those small steps. And I would encourage everybody to do that, regardless of, of what, whatever challenge you're dealing with. It's to, to take a look at any small steps of progress as being progress. I also realize that my bad days can teach me as much about my grief as the good ones. Everything and everybody are in service to my continued growth and the human experience and for the evolution of my soul. And it includes those individuals who really totally annoy me. Those individuals can be of service to me because I can learn something from that. I can learn something about myself. Their presence may have awakened something in me that I was totally unaware of. And once I've discovered that teaching, that person, no, person or persons no longer become a factor in my life. And it, that kind of reminds me of a teaching from Pema Chodron, um, who, who said to the, to the effect, I'm going to paraphrase this, nothing ever truly goes away until it has nothing left to teach us. So if something or somebody keeps resurfacing in your life, remember, if it's resurfacing, there's still something it has left to teach you. Be aware of that. Look at that, the presence of that someone or something in your life differently and ask yourself, what can it teach me about myself? How can it help further my self-awareness and self-growth? We can always find hope and light amidst the darkness of grief. When darkness envelops me, and again, it still does on occasion, I take comfort from this teaching from my favorite book on the afterlife, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers by Annie Kagan. The teaching is as follows. When life is joyous, the light will be there. When there is hardship, the light will also be there. I have discovered that any act of love towards our fellow human being is an act of self-love and perhaps even self-forgiveness for the things we thought we should have seen or should have been to our deceased loved ones. 
I'm not the person I once was 20 years ago. In fact, you'd need a search party to find the person that I was prior to her illness and trans, to Janine's illness and transition. Some days the transition is so stark, I may not even know who I, I was the week prior to that, to that revelation occurring. By evolution, my growth is ongoing and I will continue to learn, I will continue to grow until the day I transition. The day that I stop growing as a father, as a grandfather, as a great-grandfather, as a teacher, is a day that I really have to take a look in the mirror and reassess where I'm going in my life. And look, if we had no desire to involve, evolve, we'd be permanently stuck in the abyss of grief or we'd be permanently stuck in the muck with no desire or path to move forward. I have learned to integrate spirituality with my core science beliefs. Belief expansion has empowered me to look at life and death differently. I will still commit to belief expansion until the day of my transition. And trust me, I still have plenty to learn. From my perspective, acceptance involves in part a willingness to create continued bonds with our transitioned loved ones. Establishing continued bonds with Janine has empowered me to find peace with her transition and to reinvest in life with meaning and purpose. I have learned that we can work through grief, through connecting to the essence of our loved ones, connecting to their, their positive qualities, and connecting to their memories. We work through grief, through remembering, as opposed to grieving for a predetermined period of time, as many in society would like us to do, and then putting our grief in a box and forgetting the impact that our loved ones have had in our lives. So we work through grief through remembering as opposed to forgetting. Any kind of trauma changes who we are at any age. And the more we can embrace those changes, the more empowered we become and the more resilience we develop. Today I realize that I can live a human experience while embracing continued spiritual growth and completely re-engaging with all that the world has to offer. During early grief, I may have considered this point of view as disrespectful to the memory of my daughter. Now I view total re-engagement in life as another way to honor the legacy Janine has left for me to carry. It is at times surreal that I survived and thrived following the transition of my daughter for a little over two full decades. In fact, I have walked the path of a parent who's experienced the death of a child longer than some of my undergraduate students have lived. That, among other things, also adds to the intermittent surrealness of the last two decades of my life. As mentioned previously, I'm not the person I was 20 years ago. I believe I have become 
more compassionate, open, and present for my family and those who need support in trying times. And I have mentioned in my other writings that I wish it took something less drastic than my daughter's illness in transition to facilitate my metamorphosis. However, what I've learned is that we have no control over the challenges we will encounter in our lives. All we can control is how we transform and transcend them. And I want to at least end this portion of the podcast with a quote from one of my favorite sci-fi series, the original Twilight Zone series with Rod Serling. And this is a quote from a Twilight Zone episode called Long Live Walter Jameson. Uh, Walter Jameson was an individual who found the secret to immortality. And he lived for, in that, probably over 3,000 years. Until there, at one point, there was an event that proved that he was, was not immortal. But here's a, a line from the main character, Walter Jameson, that really kind of, kind of hit home. It's death that gives the world its point. So I think what Walter Jameson was saying is it's, it's the challenges that we experience as a result of death that allow us to find, to reinvest in life, to find a renewed purpose in life, and commit to long-standing service to others with and in honor of our transitioned loved ones. So with that, that concludes another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. You can find the Teaching Journeys podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any other places that uh, podcasts are offered and are available. If you want to reach out to me directly, um, you can contact me at my email address, which is bootsyandangel at gmail.com. You can find me on my personal website, bootsyandangel at gmail.com, and also at psychologyprofessoranminister.com, which is a website dedicated to, a, or to the book, When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister, which I co-authored with, with Reverend Patty Farino. Um, that book can be found at be found on Amazon and purchasing and purchased through Amazon, or if you prefer to have a signed copy, um, you can email me and we can make those arrangements that way. So with that, I want to wish you a, a a good day, a very peaceful day, and until next time. This is Dave Roberts for the Teaching Journeys podcast.